It's been just about one year since Beijing's national security law for Hong Kong took effect. And after years of resistance against the Chinese Communist Party, the city has now entirely transformed as a result. Dozens of prominent pro-democracy campaigners were arrested at private homes, law firms, and media outlets. Hong Kong censors now have the power to ban films that endanger national security in a city once known for its vibrant arts and film scene. Within minutes, literally, of reports that the new law had been passed, the protest movement, or at least the spirit of it, was affected. They see the crackdown on dissent as the beginning of the end. These changes affect how Hong Kongers go about their daily lives, how they vote, what movies they see, what newspapers land on their doorsteps. But when it comes to erasing a community's culture, the most impressionable citizens are the young. Which is why today, we're talking about the shifts taking place in Hong Kong schools. We teachers now have to be very careful with everything we say in the classroom. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. Journalists and activists in Hong Kong have been speaking out about the growing censorship for months now, and many have been arrested for it. So it's no surprise that the teachers we reached out to were hesitant to speak on the record. They were scared for their safety and job security. Through multiple connections and conversations, we finally got in touch with a man we'll refer to as Steve. I'm a secondary school teacher in Hong Kong for about 30 years. My school is what we call an English medium of instruction school, and I teach liberal studies and history. We're calling you Steve in this episode, but that's not your real name. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me about why you were only willing to speak with us on the condition of anonymity, but yet you still wanted to speak with us? Yes, it's because of the national security law. The national security law targets what China calls crime of secession, subversion, terrorism, and collusion with foreign forces. The new law is expected to deter anything that smacks of criticism of China. Beijing, however, says the laws will bring Hong Kong into line with the mainland. So under the national security law, it would be a very serious crime if we, what they call, collaborate with foreign countries to harm the development of Hong Kong and China. So right now, I'm talking to you about some of the changes in Hong Kong education. And of course, I am quite critical about the situation now. But if the government finds out about that, I may be in trouble. And the crime would be a very serious run that I may be subjected to life imprisonment. So I don't think how many people would be willing to talk uh, to foreign media with their real name. You are a secondary school teacher, as you mentioned. Tell me about the class that you normally teach. What is liberal studies? Yes, liberal studies is a subject that was introduced back in 2009. And as teachers, we facilitate our students to do discussions 
talking about personal development, Hong Kong society, China, globalization, environmental concerns, and so on. So in our classroom, how we conduct our lesson is that we will choose some current issues, and then we may provide the students with some newspaper clippings or some documentary videos in class, and we design some worksheets for discussions. And so the students will take different sides, and then they will discuss the issues together. So, for example, even in the past, we discussed issues like the Occupy Central movement in Hong Kong back in 2014. Hundreds of thousands packed the streets of downtown Hong Kong as police fired as many as 87 cans of tear gas. Determined demonstrators shielding themselves with umbrellas and spawning the so-called umbrella revolution. At that time, some people are saying that they are fighting for democracy, so they are occupying the main streets in Hong Kong. But some other people are saying that it affects their economic life. And it affect the social order. So we bring all these different views into、uh, the discussion, and then we look at issues from different angles. So you used to teach that class, but now it's been cancelled. Why has it been cancelled all across Hong Kong schools? Yes, the the subject will be cancelled starting from this coming September. The government decides to cancel this subject because many of the pro-government politicians treat this subject as the scapegoat for the social upheaval in recent years. Thousands of anti-government protesters hold a sit-in at the international airport, one of the world's busiest. Some of the most widely viewed images include those of a 12-year-old schoolgirl being shoved to the ground by police. In other words, they're saying that in recent years, teenagers have become more and more active in social activities, and they're saying that it must be because liberal studies incited them to have such attitude. In May last year, Chief Executive Carrie Lam warned that students should not be poisoned with false and biased information, and subjects such as liberal studies could be infiltrated. Did you ever see evidence of that in your classroom in the middle of discussions in liberal studies? Actually, there are academic studies sponsored by the government that prove that actually liberal studies make the students more moderate instead of being more radical in their political stance. The reason why is that, as I just mentioned, we teach our students to look at issues from different perspectives. So that means that they have to respect. Back the views and the interests of other people. So some politicians have been blaming this subject for making our students, our teenagers, very radical. I don't see any reason in that. What is the liberal studies class going to be replaced by? So the liberal studies will be replaced by a new subject called citizenship and social development. We call it CSD. The government is saying that they're shortening the curriculum because they want to reduce the burden of the students. But to many of us, we think is just a lie because the curriculum is not just cutting the six modules into three, but even if we look at the contents of these three modules, a lot of things have been changed. 
For example, we used to talk a lot about what we call quality of life in Hong Kong. So we are looking at the social and economic development of Hong Kong in greater detail. But now this part has been cut away. So that's one big change of it. And also, in how we talk about the political structure of Hong Kong, there have been a lot of changes as well because in the past. In liberal studies, we can talk about any issues we like, but now in CSD, the government has very clearly instructed the teachers not to talk about current issues that don't have a definite conclusion. It is ridiculous because we think that most things don't have a fixed conclusion when we talk about current issues. So, of course, we know what the government is actually saying. They are saying that for some controversial issues like the national security law, national security education, or even some of the human rights issues in mainland China, we cannot talk about these things. So I imagine that means you won't be taking newspaper clippings and having those kind of debates about current events in this new class. Ah,、uh, yes. That the instructions very clearly by the government is that we should avoid making our own materials. The government is saying that for all the teaching materials that we teachers develop for our students, we have to send them to the government archives so that they can check whether we are teaching the right contents to our students. That means that they are discouraging us from developing our own materials, so we have to stick to the textbooks because the textbooks have to be approved by the government. So in this way, the government is setting a lot of limits on what we can talk about in class.、Hmm. Does that make you nervous, knowing that material will be sent to the government for them to peruse and look over? Yes, it it has created a lot of tension and a lot of nervousness among the teachers because. We have seen some cases where several teachers have been disqualified by the government. They lose their jobs just because of、uh, some minor mistakes that they made in classroom. And also, the pro-government and pro-Beijing mass media will report these teachers and put them on the front pages of their newspapers and condemn them, criticize them, creating a lot of fuss. So that created kind of white terror, that kind of atmosphere among the teachers. White terror is a term that was used to describe Taiwan around the time of martial law, which lasted from 1949 to 1987. There was a harsh crackdown on dissidents that made people scared to speak out. Steve says that same fear is pervasive in Hong Kong now, and has led to a lot of self-censorship. But that aside. There's actual censorship too. For example, Hong Kong used to be one of the only places in China where people talked about the Tiananmen massacre that happened in Beijing in 1989. Here's an NBC News report from the time. Tension had been building all day Saturday after some early skirmishes between students and soldiers. Anticipating a major attack, crowds began heading toward Tiananmen Square to reinforce the students who had been sitting there for weeks. In the early morning hours of Sunday, armored personnel carriers began to advance on the square. 
The crowd quickly turned into an angry mob, attacking the armored vehicles with rocks, pipes, and Molotov cocktails. Soldiers trying to flee the vehicle were clubbed. There was a volley of tear gas. Then, without warning, the army opened up with bullets, firing indiscriminately at the crowd. The Chinese government tightly controls any mention of even the name Tiananmen Square in relation to what happened. It's estimated Chinese soldiers killed hundreds, if not thousands, of pro-democracy protesters over the course of one day. Hong Kong used to commemorate the event annually on June 4th, but not this year. On June 4th, 2021, wearing black or holding a candle near the usual visual site could have gotten you in trouble. And now, Steve says, the government has even removed the events of that day from Hong Kong's textbooks. It's all part of a greater education strategy. Protest slogans have also been taken out of textbooks, and the public library is cleared of books that are considered controversial. Steve says Beijing, via the Hong Kong legislature, has laid out very clear instructions. So the government has released what they call the Guidelines in National Security Education, and part of the guideline is about the changes in the curriculum, not only in the CSD, but also in history and even science subjects like mathematics, physics, biology, and so on. So they need us to put in materials to glorify the country in this subject. For example, in biology, the teachers will need to talk about the efforts of the Chinese government in treating the coronavirus. In physics, teachers will need to talk about the scientific or technological advancement of China. And for history, there's even more changes in a very clear effort to change the narrative that we used to have in Hong Kong. For example, I came across a topic about Hong Kong's transformation from an industrial center into an international financial center in the 1980s. So in the past, we usually say that, yes, it's because of the reform and opening up in mainland China. So we Hong Kong businessmen could go back to contribute to the prosperity of mainland China. But now the textbook now says, mainland industrialists invested in the Hong Kong financial market that turned Hong Kong into a financial center, which was totally the opposite of what actually happened. Who is enforcing these changes? The Hong Kong government is the one who implements the policy. This education bureau under the education secretary have been very active in changing the laws, the regulations, taking up these complaints to put a lot of pressure on the teachers. But it's not only the government. There are also a lot of pro-government people in Hong Kong, including C.Y. Leung, the former chief executive of Hong Kong. He has set up a fund to sponsor activity to report on what he called the misbehavior of teachers. He, he uses social media to criticize teachers, criticize the teachers union in Hong Kong and other politicians. So it's not just the government, but also some pro-government people 
they're also very active in creating this kind of white terror. What do you think China is trying to achieve with these changes? What does the government want? I think the government and Beijing are thinking that due to the social movement in the past few years, where a lot of teenagers and young people participated in those movements, they are thinking that they want to make Hong Kong like mainland China or even North Korea, where the students just believe in everything that the government say. And so they will think the government is treating them very well. I think this kind of indoctrination is one of the objectives. Another objective I think they want to achieve is that they want to change the narrative. I think they would see a lot of humiliation in the development of Hong Kong. Hong Kong has developed into a world financial center. Hong Kong has been so prosperous. The rule of law has been very good in Hong Kong. I think Beijing sees that as a kind of humiliation, and of course, also Hong Kong has been very active in supporting the democratic movement in mainland China. So now, what the government and Beijing are trying to do is that they want to change the Hong Kong story. So as to suit the national narrative that China had been very great, the Communist Party had been very successful, and so on. How did you become a teacher? What made you want to enter in this profession? Actually, at that time, for many of the Hong Kong people, we just want to find a job. That's all. But of course, as the society. Developed very quickly for the past two or three decades. I think many people like me have started to realize the importance and the significance of being a teacher. So we see the mission that we have is to teach our students to have a sense of conscience, to care for the society, to care for other people, and of course we want to equip them with the latest knowledge because Hong Kong is a very Ever-changing society, so we want to equip our students to、uh, adapt to this world. How do you feel about the job now? Do you think you're still able to do that? Because of the latest development, of course, it has become so much more difficult to do that. We used to think that it's beyond doubt that democracy is good, freedom. These are good things. So. In the classroom, we try to teach our students to appreciate democracy, to appreciate freedom of speech. But of course, under the situation now in Hong Kong, even to fight for democracy, to talk about democracy, is a crime. So it's very difficult for us to do the job that we want to do. But still, I think even under the worst circumstances. There are still things that we can do, so I hope I can do as much as I can. Have you thought about packing up and deciding to teach someplace else, moving away from Hong Kong and moving away from China? Yes, yes. Actually, to move away from Hong Kong has been the main topic of conversation nearly in every gathering with my friends for the past year. So of course I have thought about that too, but 
I have some of my personal consideration, like I need to take care of my parents and so on. So I couldn't move. That's one of the reason. But another reason is that I still believe that there are things that I can do. Of course, it's more difficult now, but I still want to do it as far as I can. Otherwise, I don't know. Maybe. If my job is taken over by somebody from the mainland, then I don't know what will happen. So still, I want to do my job to the best that I can. And that's the take. This episode was produced by Priyanka Tilvey, Wadina Kisve, Alexandra Locke, Nagin Oliay, Amy Walters, Ney Alvarez, and me, Malika Bilal. Aya Elmilek is our engagement producer. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Tom Pinton is the Take Story editor, and Stacey Samuel is executive producer. Special thanks to our Hong Kong producer, Bertha Wang, for all of her help finding sources for the story. We'll be back.